Hi, everyone. This is Melissa. And Kate. And Lainey. And we are the The Louisiana Louisiana Ladies. We are so glad you are here. Check us out on Instagram at Louisiana Ladies Podcast and visit us online at laladies.info. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Louisiana Ladies. We have my co-host-ish Hi. slash producer. I'm back. I feel like I haven't been here in a really long time. Lainey has been on a fabulous vacation in Italy Yes, that we will be talking about next week. Yes, we're going to do a full-depth catch-up episode, all the details then, because this episode is not about me. It is not. It's about our second in Louisiana lad in a row that wow. we had. Scott. Watch out for the title. Godin. Did I say your last name? Is it Godin? That's pretty impressive. First try. Yes. Did it? Well, I mean, I should. we've known each other for 20 years. That's true. <laughs> I, I, you know how to say it. <laughs> how do some people say it? Oh, gosh. That's actually a funny joke in my house. Uh, you get uh, Gowden. Gowden. You get, uh, so it's funny. We're, I'm, my wife's from Plaquemine. Okay. Eberville Parish. And I have literally had my name misspelled on our Mardi Gras ball invitations. They call Forever. me Scott Goday, Stan Goday. Stan? I, they, I, Stan's Stan. totally new. Stan? <laughs> like, I can't even get Scott I mean, right. they got F, the S, I guess. If we're being honest, I'm that dude that married that little Wilbur girl. That's that's who I am, and that's fine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, so Scott, you are, I'm, I'm, I was, was going to be like, Scott's with Currency Bank. But what's your <laughs> official title? Uh, whatever happens, it's my fault. Um, okay, so, <laughs> you're, so you're the so boss. Ch- ch- chief Lending Officer, uh co-founder uh i took a trash out this afternoon um fixed everybody lunch from leftovers so okay a little bit a little bit everything okay he so, wears all the hats so i wanted to talk a little bit about your background okay are you you're born and raised baton rouge i was born and raised in hammond okay my dad was born and raised in baton rouge it's kind of funny i live now my family and i about a mile from where he grew up off of Whitehaven. oh okay so the world is round uh, it is but he moved to hammond in 1980 with his fraternity brother to start an internal medicine practice Oh. He was actually the first physically handicapped LSU med graduate. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Hammond was, Tanchua Parish was home for 18 years. Uh, Love the people there. Get to go visit on occasion. But I uh, came to LSU and just kind of never left. Well, left and came back a couple times on a tour of duty with Banks. But um, okay. after I, I moved and came back on a tour of duty like twice, I was like, I'm just going to stop leaving. You know, okay. Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge is home. It's the biggest small town in America, and I and I love that about it. It it really I, that's I was, a good way to put it. Yeah, and I was telling somebody I think that's something I honestly take for granted in the business world because I'm so used to having like you, right? Okay, so you're a banker. I'm a CPA, but I've also known Scott since college because Scott, one of Scott's. I don't know if he is Matt your best friend or Matt, is he Matt's a, good? a very good friend for 20 <laughs> years. We were on a text thread from our college group of friends together and we worked together. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So Matt Roussel is, um, has, was my college roommate. I used to say me and Matt lived together and then people looked at us. I'm like, oh, wait, wait, but we never dated. He's yeah. was my, he was my roommate, um, with, along with his sister. So, but I, I do think that I feel like when I think to myself, you know, what other opportunities are there out there outside of Baton Rouge? I think I would struggle with not having the constant con- connectivity yeah, that we have. I talk about that often about Baton Rouge being the biggest small town in America. It, it makes for a good ecosystem because if you do good by people, they talk about it. And right. that's a good thing. And yep. it gets you more business. But also if you do bad by somebody, they also talk True. about it, right. which filters out all the bad actors. So I like that a lot about Baton Rouge. Yeah. So, okay. So you've always been in banking. 
Uh, yes, I am a career banker. It was kind of kind of kind of funny. Um, I worked as a uh, equipment manager in undergrad. That was my scholarship, to, so I didn't have to take out any student loans. Okay, uh, which my parents appreciated. Yeah, um, and I appreciate now. Um, and I was working at the Tiger Athletic Foundation uh, doing an internship uh, my senior year, and I was making some pocket change bussing tables at the basketball suite my last semester and a banker, John L. Daniel, God rest his soul, came up to me and said, I think you make a good banker. I got to know you during your internship. You know, why don't you think about that? And I'd say, I don't know what a banker does. Is that like an accountant? I would probably sometimes say that too. I don't know what a banker does. To this day, I'm really not sure what a banker does. We are very interested in what your day-to-day looks like. We're going to talk about that. I would have a similar question. So he said no, um, but, you know, (laughs) follow me around and, and I'll show you. And I uh, really liked it. And uh, he said, look, you know, I can get you an entry-level job with Chase, which was Bank One at the time, um, in Uptown New Orleans. Um, it, there was no job openings in Baton Rouge at the time, so I had to go to Uptown New Orleans, which was great. And I, I learned a ton. Um, went there and worked for Chase for, for four years and worked under some really great senior people who had been doing it for a very long time and were patient with me, thankfully. So you were working there as a lender? I was working there as a personal banker. See, I get so confused. Um, so yeah, as an entry-level job uh, that a lot of us did, Matt did the, the Matt did it as well. Is that kind of where most bankers start? Um, it, it college bank graduate bankers, yes. Okay. Um, and so you open uh, accounts in Uptown New Orleans. If you don't know too much about their demographics, there is, you know, very uh, high level of wealth and very low level of wealth. Okay. And there's no really middle class. Okay. So you open free student checking accounts. You do million dollar home equity lines of credit, and you learn a ton. At least you should in the process, and I did. And I had a great mentor uh, there who was a financial advisor for J.P. Morgan who encouraged me to get my Series 7 and 66 stockworkers license, which I did. Okay. And I worked in uh, J.P. Morgan's investment division for a couple of years. Okay. And uh, learned a ton. Great people that were senior to me that took the time to to teach me and um, great training ground. And at the height of the uh, recession in about 2008, mm-hmm. um, Two older guys that I worked with at Chase got recruited over by a community bank to help them. Um, the community bank on the North Shore had a cease and desist order from the FDIC. Um, it was about a $400 million family community bank that had been owned since the 60s by a family, and 80 to $100 million worth of loans were non-performing. Um, and they caught me on the right day at Chase. And they said, hey, why don't you come over and help us out with this? And so I was working on all commission at the height of the financial crisis. So sounded like a good idea. Okay. And so I went over there and I learned a ton. Um, I was in charge of the Hammond loan portfolio where I, where I grew up and found an array of issues while probably they were under regulator um, criticism. Okay. And so we started cleaning that up and uh, had other, other things that, you know, when you know how it is and you're in, you're in CPA and audit, you find other stuff too. Yep. You uncover things. Surprise, surprise, if you're doing your job. And uh, eventually, uh, you know, so the way it works with banks that are in trouble, at least that bank, they had two FDIC examiners on site five days a week. For Uh, how long? Oh, they they had been there months and months and months. Oh, my Um, gosh. Okay, wait, this is going to sound stupid. The mm -hmm. bank was still operating at this time? It was. So so the FDIC and any bank examiners, uh, they want your bank to do well. Right, and they just okay. don't want to close. So they're the not door. there to like, no, you know, go no. all. Okay, no, no, we have a great relationship with regulators, actually, and actually, uh, Charles, that works at our bank, was a regulator. Oh, was he? So, yeah, for four years. 
Um, so no, so they kind of is an FDIC regulator kind of like an IRS agent ish. Yeah, ish. yeah okay. they, they that's have what a, I'm lot of, a lot of regulatory agencies between the FDIC and the OFI, which is state, and they had the Federal Reserve out of Atlanta, which we're also a member of. So. Yeah, so we did that, and the bank ended up getting sold off to a buyer, which was the right thing to do. Okay. Um, oh, okay. So, no, so there's out. options. It worked out. There's options. It worked okay. out. Um, it, it took a couple of years, but I tell you what, every every Friday you get to the corporate headquarters where I worked, and there's no yellow police tape on the door and state trooper, and you got a job for another week. Yeah. Um, you learn what to do. You learn what not to do and why. Yeah. Um, at least I did, and uh, I, I came back to Baton Rouge, and I uh, was working for Rusty Cluche from Mid-South Bank. Okay. Great guy at Lafayette and taught me a lot in Troy, his son. And uh, I remember Mr. Rusty and I went on a joint prospect call together one time. And uh, he said, you're, you're, dating, you're dating that little Wilbur girl from, from Plaquemine. I said, yes, sir. He said, you're going to end up working for their family's bank. I said, well, you know, I, I really enjoy working for you. Mm-hmm. I don't, what are you trying to say? Mm-hmm. He said, no, it's just the way it works. Oh. And so, uh, you know, actually he was right. Okay. I was about to say, he probably <laughs> um, was right. It, it worked out. You've probably seen it before. It worked know? out and it was fine. And I, and I worked for her family's bank for, for a few years and, and enjoyed that as well. But um, when I was there, actually, it's kind of how we got the currency bank eventually. Um, because of my background with Chase being in brokerage and securities, um, I helped with the bond portfolio. So banks... All we do in banks is sublease money, by the way. You know, we take money in and deposits and we deploy it for the safest maximum return other ways, whether it's loans, bonds, banks buy CDs, believe it or not. (sighs) I mean, Scott's looking at me like I'm following exactly what he's saying. But I'm like, (laughs) I I mean, I get the money piece. I get the loan piece. I don't don't get any of the pieces, but I'm learning. So here we are. Think think about about, uh, the term sublease, right? So. Uh, you park your deposits with Currency Bank yeah. because we're a local owned bank and you know the board and me and other people that yeah. own it, 141 of us total. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, thank you for doing that. And then we turn around and uh, find out different ways to make a profit on that deposit money. Gotcha. Um, whether it's another a loan, whether it's a bond, uh, whether it's a CD, um, savings account. Okay, so those are a couple of options for profit. Sure. Is there... Or does that just kind of depend upon the consumer or the customer or if it's uh, well, a commercial or individual? So think about We're getting a little technical here no, because okay. I actually am so – like this is the CPA in me coming dork, out. Dork, I, I am dorking out. out. I like to kind of – I like to learn stuff. So a, a bank uh, – really what I do is balance sheet management. Okay, so okay. think about this. I'm gonna use some accounting terms that you'll love. Yeah. You know, you always now keep in mind, Lainey's not an accountant, but she okay. can follow. She can but, follow. But, but, Balance sheet. I, I had to take the first two accountings. Okay. okay. Well, on that subject, I did take the first two accountings, which is why I decided not to major in accounting. <laughs> but the trick was on me. I had to learn it anyway. Right. Uh, so anyway, on the job training, right? Uh, so there's a debit and a credit to everything, right? There's no one leg transactions, right? Right. So right. You, 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 and, and banks, things are backwards. So I'm really gonna blow your mind. Oh my goodness. I'm already so confused. Okay. When you take money in, typically for you and MS businesses, that's a credit. Right. For me, it's a it's kind of a debit. You got because okay. it is it is a liability. They call it a demand mm. deposit. Like to me, deposits are liabilities because that's money I owe you. Right, so it's backwards. Oh, so, okay. Did you, you explain that really well? Yeah, Thank you. got it. Look, Thank I'm you, not Scott. even an accountant. Did, did you yeah, see so, the light bulb yeah. just went on? Me and you're like, that's right. That was like because, simultaneous. <laughs> like we're de- we're depositing it there, assuming we're going to be able to get it at some point. Well, okay, it's a, it's a yeah. fair assumption. Okay. Um. So I so you take cash in, right? It's on my balance sheet. Gotcha. I have to decide what to do with that cash. Mm. Oh. Okay. I, I I can lend it out. 
I can buy a bond. I can buy a CD. I can do okay. a handful, handful So when you were talking earlier about the options for mm-hmm. profit, that's mm-hmm. for your profit, the profit yes. of the bank. Correct. Because the bank has to make money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I always, I remember always thinking that as a kid. I was like, how do banks make money? Because mm-hmm. they, the money that goes in has to come back out. But, you know, when you're that age, you don't understand we, we, all we, these we, options. We, we have a joke about that around currency banks. They say, well, how do banks make money? Well, carefully. Carefully. <laughs> <laughs> carefully. <laughs> That's how we try to do it. Well, so, okay. Thank you for educating sure. me. And laying no, that, on that makes little so tidbit. much sense. Um, so, currency bank. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about. This was a you was this a vision you had? Uh, that's fair. I mean, Matt had told me a little bit of the backstory, but I feel like that's a fair. Charge. You did a really good job. I mean, y'all have a hundred and forty-one shareholders. Thanks. I think that's that. a lot of people to say. Yeah. I need you to believe in what we're doing. Well, I still tell people that the, you know our strength lies in our people. When I say that, I mean our shareholders, our employees, our board, our customers. We have great technology. You know, actually, another secret: Charles was the keynote speaker for IBM at a conference in France. So, yes, we have great wow. technology. Obviously, wow. no big deal. Um, Charles is awesome. He is, and he's seventy-six. He's forgotten more about banking than I know, and that's great. Um, so. Yes, we it was a vision we had, and and so I got a call when, when um, from from a gentleman I used to work with. He was a consultant, so I mentioned that my, my wife's family's bank, Iberville Bank. I worked on the bond portfolio a lot, and we use an outsourced CFO there. Believe it or not, a lot of small community banks don't have a full time CFO. Okay, they outsource the function. Mm-hmm. So a friend of mine is the outsourced CFO for a company for about forty community banks in the Gulf South, and he and I worked pretty close together. You know, since I worked on the bond portfolio there. And uh, we stayed in touch even after my wife's family sold that bank. And um, I joke with him. Um, so he's from Baton Rouge. He uh, married a girl from Treeport, Therefore, he lives in Treeport, uh, And he has a Tesla. And so when he travels back through Baton Rouge, he has to stop and charge his Tesla. Mm-hmm. And I'm his Tesla taxi. Oh. And we okay. get together. And uh, it's convenient because it's right there by Perkins Road Overpass by Trader Joe's. And we can go grab a, a beer and a meal at any restaurant within a mile of it. Yeah. There, yeah. And we do that and let him charge up and, and go back. But uh, he called me out the blue right in the middle of the throes of COVID and said, hey, how's it going? <laughs> it's fun. Um, PPP loans and, and all these things. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And he yeah. said. Um, I feel like I've blacked that out. I've tried. Uh, um, I, I joked that I, I had to get a, a PhD in PPP yes. and um, educate. You did too, and educate clients. And, and gosh, I remember being in some some CPA boardrooms when the rules were changing, changing. By, the, by the hour. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, there were even with the retirement, the amount of questions that I got with retirement plans. I'm like, there's no guidance. But anyway, I, we won't talk. About I remember that. We, we, were, we made it. I don't know. I remember we were about to go live with PPP at the bank I was at the next day, and uh, they issued a 94 page executive summary change. Right. Um, yes. And so there, thank goodness they had a lot of talented people in the bank that, that literally did not go to sleep that night and stayed up to get yes. everything and ready. And, and get All these people that said that they, I'm sorry, let's just talk really quick. Sure. The people that were like, I'm one coronacation. I'm like, no. this is the hardest I've ever, we've ever had to work. We're not used to working weekends. And, and we are. And, we and, work. So, and, and, we're, so. and, and we're used to working hard. But mm. this was like, this COVID was kind of close to our deadline. But 
it just added everything. The PPP thing added everything on. Well, I just remember, so Scott, I started working here in February oh, yeah. before COVID started. And granted, in my position, I don't actually do anything with any of this stuff. But I just remember hearing so much, and I was like, what kind of industry did I get myself into? Because well, and you constantly had to put together, crazy. she had to constantly put together the newsletters that we had to Oh, yeah, I was constantly out. communicating to our clients, like, another change, uh, another update. I, I'm going to be blowing up your inbox. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, that so, was a tough so time. I, I got a call from that gentleman um, and said, hey, you know, have you thought about getting in the banking business like your wife's family was for 85 years? I said, I have, but I, I, I lack the vision on what or when. He said, well, you know, people aren't starting banks from scratch much anymore because it's a difficult process. It's very expensive. The way people are backing into it is they are finding a small, healthy community bank to buy and buying that and, okay. grow, and growing that. Okay. Challenge is finding a small, healthy community bank that's willing to sell it to you. Mm. And I said, I bet you know somebody. He said, I do. He said, I represent the third smallest bank in Louisiana, up in northeast Louisiana. And uh, it's a $62 million bank, which banking standards, that's very small. Okay. Um, and they have their main owners are a farmer and an attorney. Uh, the attorney is the chairman of the board, and he has cancer for the second time. Mm-hmm. And they have to do some planning. Okay. You know, it's, it's for sale for 15 times profit, uh, $11 million. And uh, what do you think? I said, well, I'm glad you think I have $11 million. (laughs) I do not. I think that's a lot of money. (laughs) Um, He said, yeah, but you know people. And so um, I did make um, some phone calls uh, pretty quick after to to folks who are on our board now, including uh, Robert Daggerpont, who's our our Mm -hmm, chair mm -hmm. and who's treasurer for Raising Canes and uh, owns Daggerpont and Brian CPAs, Um, to Flynn Foster, Guarantee Broadcasting, um, another former banker, Mike Anderson, and some other folks, and uh, we all decided this is something we wanted to make a run at. And uh, during COVID, during PPP, and all those other things. I mean, because why not? Scott, you know, no time like the present. Why not? <laughs> and so, um, you know, I had to, I guess, make a make a choice there um, to, to, to jump off the ledge and, and kind of went home and talked to my wife. And um, over a week or two, we had these conversations. Mm-hmm. And uh, she actually is an entrepreneur herself, owning um, mm-hmm. professional limousine service. Mm-hmm. So, She'll be next on that. Oh, gosh. She's way more fun than me. Um, Well, I mean, you did put, what is a fun fact about yourself? Scott says, I'm not not all that fun. (laughs) Kay is fun. I don't know her as well as you. She's a lot of fun. Uh, So, no. So, uh, and my wife and I talked about it, of course. And she said, you know, facts are these. She's an entrepreneur. She has a small business. You're going to leave a good job as market president of a publicly traded bank and, you know, not have a for sure paycheck and do this. And you were like, yep, 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 you got it. Sure am, honey. And, uh, she you said, are following. Yep, she said, I believe in you, go do it. And so um, I said, look, if we're serious about this, me and the group that we're talking to, there's somebody we need involved. Okay, he's a mentor of mine. Um, he recently retired mm. for the second or third time. Yeah, gotta love a retired mentor. Second or third time, I tried to. He's not very good at it. The only thing he's not good at is retiring. Yeah, that's a man thing sometimes. Charles, I, I, I'll try to describe Charles in 30 seconds. Charles is from Thibodeau, Louisiana, has a degree in physics from LSU, um, was a Vietnam um, Air Force combat pilot, um, decided uh, while he did that, he did not want to do that the rest of his life and uh, wanted to go into banking after he was a geophysicist for Shell. Wow. And um, he went to American Bank in the 70s and told him he'd, he'd like to apply. And um, they said, well, you, you can't be a banker because you have a degree in physics and you're a geophysicist. But um, you, you know, you need a business degree to be a banker. And I, I respectfully disagree. I don't, I don't think you need a business degree to be a banker. Uh, the math is considerably harder in physics. Uh, I'm going to go um, with that. that so, phys- I'm just going to say ge- physics versus business. 
physics is harder. Uh, it's harder. Much harder. It just is. Um, fact. Uh, mm-hmm. So I said, but you can work on the IT side. And so Charles, in true Charles fashion, Charles Chasson, um, worked on the IT side for 18 months while he went back to LSU at night to get his MBA to be a, quote, be a banker. Wow. And uh, he had this idea, and Charles is full of ideas, good ideas, um, to sell their bank's computing services to other banks, which made his division of the bank the most profitable division of the bank in 18 months because banks needed what they were doing. Gotcha. Um, so they ended up selling that part of the uh, bank off because it was making a lot of money and, and they got a good deal, good offer. And Charles assumed he was going with it to Texas. And they said, no, we're going to hang on to you and let you be a banker now. So he worked his mm-hmm. way up from courier to, to, to loan officer, um, teller before that, and um, was president of two banks. And actually in the 80s, um, I mentioned before we started, was a uh, bank examiner for the FDIC. He was in charge of a team of FDIC, OFI, or uh, RTC folks that um, shut down bad banks on a Friday afternoon. Um, so if you saw Charles and a state trooper Friday afternoon, it's not going to be a good day. Oh, okay. Um, so he did that and uh, wanted to get his own bank charter. And so he said, hey, I'd like my own bank charter now. And they said, well, you know, you're certainly qualified, but you can't do it in Baton Rouge because they granted two state bank charters, two banks in Baton Rouge the, the past year. So you got to go somewhere else. And he said, well, where? He said, I, I don't know, anywhere but Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. And he went over to Ascension. He knew two people. Uh, he raised $8 million in two months, which is what it used to take to get a bank charter. And he said, here you go. And they said, eh, we met 10. So he came back. Here's 10. Hmm. We met 12. He came back with $14 million. How's that? So he got a bank charter, South Louisiana Bank. Wow. Um, did a fantastic job growing it for a few years. Um, got an unexpected knock on his door uh, and was acquired and uh, stayed with that bank for eight years. That's actually rare, too. A lot of president CEOs, founders, don't, don't usually stay with the acquiring bank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, retired in March of 2020, and we'll meet back at the part of the story where we were doing this. Gotcha. And he was sitting in, um, he and I were sitting at CC's Coffee House on Airline and Blue Bonnet, mm-hmm. and he was staring into his coffee, having to cancel trips to Europe, had to cancel trips to Italy, and uh, he had uh, lost about 20 pounds from walking five miles a day because we were all stuck in our houses. Yep. He was stir crazy. He can't stand still. And I uh, said, so how's retirement going? Yeah. And he said, stinks. And uh, I said, hey, here's what we want to do. Um, it doesn't matter how smart our group is or how smart we think we are. There's no substitute for all your experience. Mm-hmm. And he said, I like the group that's doing this with you. They're all winners. Um, I like your philosophy, which is a concierge level of service with the latest proven technology, um, similar to his philosophy that he, he started South Louisiana Business Bank with. And um, he said, tell you what, I'll do this for a few years with y'all. I'll invest my money. And at the end of a few years, you got to be ready to take it over. And hopefully the world is open back up reasonably enough where I can travel like I want. And I'll stay on the board and watch my investment. Deal? Deal. Yeah. Yeah, and so we, we went out, and the thing about COVID, you remember, they were really big on not being in the room with a bunch of people, yeah. wearing masks, obviously. Um, and so the way this usually goes with bank or any capital raise or private equity raises, you get in a room with 20 people, you get a presentation, yep. they, they hand you a check. Yep. You couldn't do that with yep. COVID. We had over 200 meetings, um, and we ended up raising $30 million um, in about eight months. And we bought the bank and put the rest back into capital for growth and to be safe. And um, 
We started off in May of 21 with 62 million in assets, and we ended uh, 21 uh, with 100 million dollars um, in assets and broke even uh, the first six months. Which uh, it's kind of humorous now because I think a lot of folks said you you're going to lose money for a few years. Mm-hmm. I respectfully disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to watch my expense control. I, I, I take out the trash. Um, I don't have chief this and chief that. Um, I got a great deal on some space that was empty. Mm-hmm. Um, that had another bank in it. It did. It was already built out for mm-hmm. a bank. It was built out for a bank. Didn't have to do much with it um, except, you know, clean everything. Mm-hmm. And that was, I did that. By the way, everybody thinks when you buy a bank, the first thing you do is like order this fancy ornate desk and, and all this art. Nope. I borrowed some cleaning supplies from my wife, and I scrubbed toilets that hadn't been scrubbed in four years. And um, uh, well, you know, you go to things like Overstock.com and Wayfair, and you you, you make you know, stretch your pennies out to, to make sure you're good stewards of investors' money. Mm-hmm. So everybody said you lose money for a few years. I said okay, well, I respectfully disagree. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. So first six months we broke even and grew from 60 million to 100 million in size, which was great growth. Um, the next year in 22 we grew from 130 million to 133 million. Um, and uh, we budgeted to make a profit of 350 and same critics, you can't do that. You can't make money in year two. There's no way. Don't you love it when people tell you you can't do something? Does that just make you want to do it even more? It does. Okay. Uh, so I don't, I, don't, I don't know if you're familiar with Enneagram. Well, uh, okay. We talk about it all the time. Only all the time. Okay, I love it. I say it's a way of life for me. Yeah, no, we. I mean, we should we should become certified. We Enneagram talk about people. it on maybe every episode. Pretty much, it literally pretty much comes right, up. So the, you'll understand this then. I'm a type eight. So, so is Melissa. Okay, no surprise either. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew you were going to say that before you even said it. And so when you tell me I can't do something or our team can't do mm-hmm. something. It well, lights a fire. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah, I'll, you just watch me. You um, just watch me. So that's fine. And um, we budget to make 350 again. Same critics, same echo. Okay. We made 750 um, So and, and everybody did that because they worked hard and they uh, did more with less. And we don't, you, we don't have chief this and chief that. We all take out the trash and well and you're i mean obviously you're you're a practical businessman by nature it sounds like try to be yeah you know you're like you could go buy really mm-hmm. expensive furniture mm-hmm. or you could buy furniture from wayfair that's much reasonably priced probably still looks pretty i mean i'm a big fan of wayfair by the way yeah okay. um, the art is where we get the, the wayfair from and overstock is my chairs you'll, you'll laugh at this in our boardroom um we we have uh some 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 great stuff but um in our boardroom um we, we we're looking at chair options and we got quoted some some expensive chair options for boardrooms because everybody thinks your boardroom is supposed to be, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. And um, I found a very similar model on overstock.com mm-hmm. and I ordered them 14 chairs because I have a large table mm-hmm. for a large board. It is big. And um, I didn't do the math in my head because I had a million things going on drinking out of a fire hose that they were not going to come put together. They came shipped from overseas yeah. and arrived in a box. Yeah. Thank goodness my grandfather taught me some practical skills on how to put things together. Oh, yeah, none of that stuff ever comes and, together. Um, and, and it, yeah, and, and missing, uh, you know, Allen wrenches and things like that. That's just the way it is. That's yeah. part of the adventure. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, um, I, and thankfully, I remembered something my grandfather taught me about putting things together. If, if, a, if a screw's not turning, you can put some soap on the threads and, and make it turn smoother. Oh. I, need, I needed that trick about the eighth chair. Yeah, Patrick, Tarita, that's a trick. <laughs> um, I mean, we, we're going to have to put some chairs together that are so coming I put, in from I put two chairs together a day because that's all I could stand. And finally, they were all put together. And you're right. We, we save money. And um, we, we always try to, to, to be good stewards of people's investments. Um, we're bankers. What can I say? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, and you're also, y'all have that community bank feel. We do. And culture. So, okay. Do you want to talk about, well, Melissa brought it up last year, but I had a little bit of a banking 
Oh, wait, can we tell you? An educational yes. experience at Currency Bank. Okay, so okay. Scott, I mean, obviously when you look at Lainey, I mean, she's 25. Five. She's 25. Okay. So when I don't so, remember I don't remember 25. Our Louisiana Ladies account is with Currency Bank. Y'all are across the street, community feel like we talked about. And so last year, whenever we were doing the party for the first time, we were gathering all of our sponsors. Yeah, we're getting checks. And so Melissa would be like, okay, I need you to go make a deposit. And I've done the deposits for Falkenwinkler before at other banks, and you literally just hand it to them um, because the accountants usually already fill out the deposit True. slips. So Melissa was like, okay, you need to fill out a deposit slip. I was like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Lainey literally goes, I don't know how to do that. I said, you know what you're going to do? I'm not going to tell you. You're going to walk into she the said, bank. You're going to learn. And I think there's a nice lady named Tiffany that's going to be right there. <laughs> it's her there. birthday this week. Happy birthday, Happy birthday Tiffany. And she's always been so nice to us. Yeah. Like one time I went in there and I like I don't even know what I needed and she was like, "I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you." And I was like, "And you're going to learn how to do this." So, Scott, y'all taught think, Laney how to I think I also had to write a check. I think I had to write a check for something. You did. And I was out like, of the Louisiana ladies checking. Account. How do I do that? Well, in my head I was like, "Okay, <laughs> I remember a time in high school that I was babysitting and the mom left me a check to write for the pizza and I haven't written a check since then. Yeah. So we learned. See, the so Currency Bank, bank slash is banking educator. Happy to do it. And yes, Tiffany's very nice. And uh, that's why she's our customer service manager. Yeah, she's great. People love her, which is probably why she got three cakes this week. Yeah, I'm sure. That's incredible. Um, so we appreciate that too because we helped her eat them. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, I think that there's. Oh, and of course, I mean, we have a connection and then I have a connection with Matt and sure. I was like, we need to, I need to do something and do something quick. And I, and, and you know, it was interesting, Scott, and I'll say this, we have always, so, you know, our partners and, and, you know, the managers here, if they have a client that doesn't have a banking relationship, mm-hmm. we've always encouraged a banking, you know, yet you probably need a good bank. I, I wrote an op-ed one time, um, know your ABCs, attorney, banker, CPA. Yeah. So, so wait, when COVID, when PPP came out Ooh. and people are with the, I'm not trying to knock the big banks, but they did not have a banker to reach out to. Scott in our office basically told one of them, this is why I've been telling you, you need a banking. We can't, we can help you with the numbers, Mm -hmm. but we're not gonna be able to lend you them. We're not gonna be able to distribute the funds with the SBA. Especially if you're a business owner. Yeah. You need a relationship with a banker or not a bank. And my litmus test um, when I talk to folks about that is, well, who's your banker? And so I bank with X. Yeah, like that's the, not like it. Like the bank. Like, nope, not what I asked you. Yeah. Who's your banker? Yep. They're like, uh, I said, man, you want a business. You need to have a relationship. You probably know your CPA's name. You yeah. would hope. Yeah, you would hope. You probably have a dialogue with them at least once or twice a year. Yeah. Um, you probably know your attorney's name for whatever reason, whether it's filing, you know, LLC paperwork or tax ID numbers or things like that. Yeah. You should know your banker's name and vice versa. They should know yours. Um, so that's my mantra usually to yeah. have that relationship. And look. All banks aren't a best fit for everybody. Correct. Um, like for us, for example, you know, we are uh, a bank owned by 141 business owners. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we tend to be business focused a lot of times. Mm-hmm. However, we, we do offer personal accounts and personal loans. Um, I tell people we, we, we try to emulate the concierge experiences you've had and enjoy maybe at your favorite restaurant or favorite hotel. We try to create that at the bank. And so... A lot of people know us for our service, and a lot of people know us for our technology, although we talk about service every single day. Yeah, well, that's what um, I think sets you guys apart. Thank you. And we, But we always talk about with technology, technology is a component of service. Yes. It does not replace service. Correct. And, and the best uh, example I can give with that is, you know, my wife and I have got to enjoy some nice hotels. If you go to that nice hotel, you can book um, a dinner reservation on an app. 
um, or I can call down and, and, and move something. There's there's you know one on one communication or, or in, in in person communication. So, you know, the app of, of a good establishment like a hotel or restaurant is a good example of technology being a component of service. I agree with that 100. percent It's not going to replace it. That's down there and can people, give you personal advice. People basically don't like to be told what to do. That is, they, they like to be given options. They do. Everyone likes and, options. And, and My we, Pilates instructor used to say that. Everyone likes options. I'm like, you're so right, Andrew. And now you can scale. And, and like, we can, Lainey, we can teach you how to write a check if you yes. like, if you yeah. like to learn. Yes, um, we can teach you how to use the app. Well, so I think that's, you know, it's interesting with talk about technology and specifically like AI, mm-hmm. right? I just don't, th- and maybe in some parts of the country, AI will replace things. But here, I'm not convinced that that's the case. People people don't do business with me because I'm the smartest third-party administrator. No. They do it because they like us, well, and we like take care said, of them. Well, like you said, AI, the technology piece like adds to it, but it doesn't replace. Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to put it. Well, no, and I'll give you an example of AI, and, and there are going to be some challenges and kinks, and, and I think it never totally replaces anything. But, for example, you know, if you can, you can tell a computer what to do, like, hey, Plug this tax return in, and yeah, you got to have 1.2 times better debt service coverage to qualify for a loan. All right, did you account for the rent they're paying themselves? Right. Did you account for the debt that you're replacing if you're refinancing? Yeah. Did you account for X? Like AI doesn't know how you to. You still do have that. to think about things. Yeah. Critical do. thinking and stuff like that. Okay, so but are you um, in pure Louisiana lad fashion, as all of our entrepreneurs have a tendency to do? He just completely glossed over the fact. I mean, you said it about 200 meetings and $30 million. Yep. That's what happened. Okay. So So casual. Right. Mm. I'm like, (laughs) my mouth's like, okay. So I would assume some of these meetings were from connections that you had throughout Mm -hmm. the years. Some of them were Charles. Were most of them from some sort of connection or was any of them just kind of like a blind call from somebody? So it kind of fed on itself. Okay. Um, You know, I mentioned uh, Robert Dagerpont's our chair. Yeah. And he had a lot to do with a lot of those connections. And then I mentioned Flynn Foster's on our board. Okay. And and as other investors got involved, they said, hey, you should talk to so-and-so. I think they'd be a good fit for an investor. And then that person said, hey, I love it. I want to do, I want to invest. Also, you should talk to so-and-so and And just asking for referrals or like-minded folks. Because really the best way, I tell, I tell all the folks that invested and continue to tell them the best, most optimal use of this investment in the bank is to use the bank you own stock in, mm-hmm. as well as your friends, your family, your networks, to be able to refer them and say, hey, by the way, I own part of a bank. Yeah. You know, yeah. We, we can yeah. take care of you for this need. Yeah. And so you do that with 141 folks times whatever amount of people that they have in their circles. You know, we, we, we don't have a shortage of business, which is probably why we grew from... 60 million to 100 million from 100 million to 133 million and today we're 175 million wow. and um you know we were scheduled to go to 170 million this year and, and we're going to pass that up um th- from those networks and those those referrals and you know I, I i don't do a whole lot of um shotgun advertising okay um i wouldn't think you would need to i don't um i, I just don't you know I, I find i find i've always believed that uh, the the best form of marketing is a satisfied customer which is why if you look at our website, I've got customer testimonials yeah. from four or five, six people saying, mm-hmm. hey, this is a real life what happened, you know, and I, I enjoyed my experience and I send people them, to them because they took care of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The same way I'm sure you get uh, CPA and pension mm-hmm. clients. I was going to say, I feel like there's so many similarities. Well, it is because mm-hmm. it's really, it's a relationship business. Sure. 
it's a, it's service it's word of mouth and it's authenticity and it's right also reputation like what do you, what you said yeah. earlier right mm-hmm. we're a big small town you have a good reputation it just i mean 14 years ago nobody knew who melissa torito was and what i was doing you know and so i'm not tooting my own horn i'm just saying that being here meeting people yeah. word spreads and if it's if it's positive all of a sudden you just you you're able to grow and continue to service those customers. And if you take care of folks, you should be as busy as you want to be. Absolutely. Yep. I actually tell people in prospect meetings when they ask me what makes us different, I say, It's really simple. We care. Yeah. <laughs> I, I asked one time, so I was sitting in one of those meetings with a with a customer of mine, actually, um, and it was with Robert, our chair at the time, mm-hmm. he's a customer of mine. And believe it or not, a lot of our investors were customers at one point in mind. Yeah. And in Louisiana, we have a culture where we end up being good friends with some of our, yeah, absolutely. Right. our customers. Most and of I my did. clients are now my friends. And I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was sitting there with Robert planning for uh, a banking need for him. It was the Friday of before Memorial Day weekend, and everybody was already at the camp and with crawfish and having fun. And uh, in the middle of the conversation, he turned around and said, do you know why we do business with you? He said, enlighten me. He picked up the phone. He said, because you answered this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said, are you telling me that you're having trouble getting people to answer your calls? He said, you'd be surprised. Mm-hmm. And I said, wow. Wow. That is so. surprising. No, that's just but what happens. But it is. Pick yeah. up the phone. I know it's not hard. I don't find any of this as hard. I'm going to be honest with you. Like the technical piece, like you kind of lost me a little bit when we were talking mm-hmm. about some stuff. Yeah. But like but that's hard. Service. But like the client service is not, it's just not it's not hard, but I also think our culture's a little bit more ingrained in it, mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, I don't know how else to put that. Uh, yeah, in Louisiana, we, we, we tend to be a little more ingrained with that kind of culture. But at the same time, I, I talk about this at the bank all the time, and they're probably going to roll their eyes when they hear me say this, is if you, if you say you're concierge, that has a certain connotation with it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So if you say you're concierge, you have to be concierge. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you just can't be a retail shop that answers the phone every third time. Right. You can't talk the talk without walking the walk. Not call people back for weeks and no. that kind of thing. I don't understand that. That would drive me nuts. We we, we have kind of a sundown unofficial rule there where you gotta call everybody back but before you leave. Yeah, we kinda have that. My team pretty much has that. Yeah. Here. I had somebody that was surprised yesterday. I called him at six. He said, Oh, you're working. I was like, Well, calling you back yeah, i just wanted to get you called. <laughs> yeah. no, well and that's the thing though but the reason you do that is because you care if you didn't have any sort of care then you would go home and you would you would go well that's just going to roll over to the next well, day it, there is and look i'll say this too and you've seen this in, in, in different organizations you work with when, when when you do own a portion of the company you tend to care you do that and, is true and, and, I, and I, I joke with people you know i tell you the question i probably got the most in that raising that 30 million dollars was how much of your money's in this mm. uh, i tell people you know that rule about diversification? I violated that. Um, everything I had, I, I, I put towards this because mm-hmm. I believed I took a bet on us. Yeah. And thankfully, it's gone great. But yeah, that's that's yeah. Because it's, if it's yours and you're invested and you're an owner, and by the way, a, a lot of customers and and employees are shareholders and owners. Mm-hmm tends to affect behavior in a positive way. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. That's true. That you is true. I mean, back. it gives everybody stake in the game. So let me ask you this, though, Scott, if I'm going to ask like a raw kind of question. When this was going on and like when y'all first started having meetings, were you kind of scared? Because um, you're a confident person. You know, I wouldn't say I was scared. Um, I lack the confidence to be able to be CEO of a bank at that point. Okay. Um, which is why I think my mentor being involved was, was a nice security blanket. Okay. Um, I knew I had great relationships and, but I, but 
I'll say this, and this sounds casual too. I don't mean it to be when we were kind of putting this together and I did have a, what if moment, Hey, what if this doesn't work? And, and you know, one of the guys doing it with us said, you call any one of five bankers you have a good relationship with and you'll have a job before you get home. Yeah. Like, so you had a plan B. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think about plan B, but, um, I'll say one thing I didn't do and, I, and I'll tell one on Charles. Um, when Charles did his bank, um, he put everything up and mortgaged his house. And he went home and talked to his wife, and she said, what if you don't make it? Said, we lose everything. We file bankruptcy. Casual. <laughs> yeah, casual. I'm like, I didn't do that. Right. And he was probably like, people have lived through that before. It's going to be fine. You know, it's <laughs> fine. Because that's how I feel like Charles has a, yeah, yeah like that, like a yeah, disposition. Yeah, it is what it is, you know, because I've met him a couple of times <laughs> at the advisory board meetings. So, um, Which we appreciate you being on. I was honored to be asked. Um, so the... In terms of, I don't want to get too, too like selling and producty, but I do find, you know, especially on that advisory board that y'all are constantly thinking of what else can we offer? What's, can, you know, because I know at one point, and excuse me, Scott, I'm going to sound ignorant, but you were trying to come up with maybe like an easy way for somebody to take out a loan, mm-hmm. a commercial loan, mm-hmm. but it was going to have certain parameters. Sure. And if you didn't meet the parameters, it just wasn't going to work. And I appreciate it as somebody sitting on the board who may at one point need something like that. I appreciate y'all's transparency mm-hmm. and this is what we can offer. And also you even said, and I mean, I think like you've said, if we can't do something, we're going to tell somebody. So we can't for whatever reason, you know, I, um, I guess this transcends over to other industries. I can tell you in banking, the worst thing you can give somebody is a maybe for six weeks. Yeah. Um, tell them no. Okay. I told somebody no twice last week. Yeah. You know, I, just, I can't do it. Yeah. You know, I just, I can't do X, but here's what I can do. I'll, okay. I'll give you a, what I can do. I I'm not trying to tell you no. I can do X if you do Y, mm-hmm. but I can't do you what you're asking. And just don't waste people's time. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Do you think that maybe if other banks do that, do you think it's because they're trying to get well, the I business? Hope, I hope they don't because that's kind of how we stand out. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> no, um, no, no, that they say the maybes. Yeah. Are they saying the well, maybes? I, I think maybe, you know, I think I'll say this. A lot of bankers or lenders, I can tell you from being a recovering lender in a way, um, we're, we tend to be people pleasers. Oh. And we try to find a way for, to turn the maybe into a yes. Gotcha. And okay, so it's not ill intent. It's no. like we're trying to find a solution, but there might not be Well, one. look, at, at the end of the day, a lot of those folks are in sales. That's true. And so I, I think they're trying to get a sale. Um, and I, I, I won't fault them for that. That's what, they're, that's what the responsibility they're charged with. Yeah. We're all selling something, whether it's banking or, you know, uh, accounting or you know, salvation, if you're preaching on TV, I guess. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, currency, so let's say somebody is looking for, they want a new banking relationship. What is mm-hmm. the best way to get into, how is the best way to get in touch with you guys? I don't want to leave that out because that's like a podcast faux pas if I leave that out. No, no, sure. I mean, they, they're certainly welcome to, to give us a call, uh, whether that be uh, 9 to 5 Monday through Friday, uh, 225-465. Uh, at 7,400. I think about it. I don't <laughs> or, call myself. Or Google it. I don't call myself. <laughs> uh, I, look, I, I, I put my, my, I don't know if you saw this or not, I, I put my, my cell phone on social media the other day. I said, like, I'm a community banker. Call me anytime. Yeah, here's that's my, bold. Here's, here's my email. Here's my cell phone. Well, well Scott's also a go-getter. 
No, I like it. All I mean, that time. also sets you apart. All the time. We, we're on, you know, we're at 7054 Jefferson Highway here in Baton Rouge. They're um, our neighbors. Yep, right across the street. It took me two minutes to get here. We literally. could literally walk there if we wouldn't almost get killed crossing Jefferson, Jefferson Highway. Highway. <laughs> that, that's like playing Frogger. Look, I commented to somebody earlier today. I said, I don't know what it is about traffic in Baton Rouge the last two weeks. Like, it's gotten thicker. It has gotten bad. Um, Can I just say the absolute worst part about coming home was having to drive? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't drive for two weeks. And yeah. now, uh, yesterday, I, oh, it yeah. was bad. It was yeah. bad. Um, I saw a funny meme the other day. I'm sure you've probably seen it. It says, Baton Rouge is an hour away from Baton Rouge. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating. <laughs> like, I see uh, that about Houston, but with Houston, it's at least far. At least you're Baton going Rouge, far. Yeah. You're well, moving. you know, I live right around the corner, so I can't complain I, too much. I live, like, two minutes from here, too. So, yeah. yeah. So, I, did I know that we were that close? Um, I am over there uh, by the LSU Lakes, about a block off. So I, I can literally take a back road and go okay. five minutes. So I'm by Webb Park. Yeah, pretty close. Okay. All right. So I like this. Um, we always, you know, some of our fun questions. Well, first of all, let me just reiterate that Scott was very honest and said that he is not fun. Uh, but I will uh, respectfully disagree <laughs> from um, what I knew. K is way more fun. In what comparison. I knew in college. College <laughs> Scott was fun. Okay. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Don't worry. I won't say anything. Okay. But favorite food. I love this. Some folks eat to live. I live to eat anything but cauliflower. But if you make me choose, sushi is my favorite food. Mine too, Scott. Oh gosh, we uh, we were lucky to live close to Rock and Saki and are mm. able to to walk there. With oh, also, if we, yeah. So, and one of the cool things we did it was Kay's idea. Um, we taught our child, our our nine year old, to not eat you know fried hot dogs, fried this, fried that off kids menus. We wanted him. Kay read a book about Europeans teach your kids to eat off their plates, so they learn to eat real food. Well, we did that, which was great for a while until they start ordering off the adult menu, and he likes sushi more than we do. Oh, okay. So. Can I just say, I have to credit that to my parents as well. They made us eat everything when we were young, and now I'm really not a picky eater. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would think it was so embarrassing, like in college, when I would go to eat with friends and they wanted chicken tenders. I was like, I love a chicken tender. I'm not really. But, you know, I really do eat e- almost everything. I do too. And the funniest thing was when my dad was on a few weeks ago, I was going back through his old Facebook photos to see if there was anything, like any old pictures that I didn't have that I wanted to use for our post. And I found a picture from 2009, so I was 11, and I'm. Oh, it's gosh. literally just like a picture. It's the most, the ugliest picture ever, and I'm just like eating a piece of sushi. And this was like when Facebook was pretty new, so the uh, caption was just like me and Lainey eating sushi, and I was like, you really did me dirty with that picture. Lainey, you know I love you, but 2009, <laughs> I was like 30. Yeah. <laughs> 2009, I had left the academy and started here. And that was 14 Okay, years that ago. wasn't the point of the story. But <laughs> it was just, Poor Lainey gets picked on. It was a terrible picture, and I was like, man. But to, to your point, you know, I was eating sushi as a kid, and I think that's a great way Which to is parent. a blessing and a curse. Because it's blessing, expensive. Blessing that you learn yeah. the like sushi, but a curse when your parents got the bill. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And especially with your son, you know, as he grows, he's only going to want to eat more. He, <laughs> he is offended if you hand him a kid's menu. He's that's like, how I was because he's like, well, no, I want the filet medium rare. Thanks. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> that was literally. Don't hand me that. Melissa's seen it. I'll show you when we. Uh, I was about to say hang up, but when we turn this off, I was also really short for my oh, yeah, age. You need to see this so picture. I looked even younger than I was. No, you need like this is. Uh, you're not going to be able to imagine it until you see this picture. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Okay, Scott, thank you so much sure. for your time. Yeah, we know you're you. busy, and we want to respect your time. And um, yeah, so like we said, currency's right across the street from Falk and Winkler. Um, it's really nice. We've utilized their their property, their oh, boardroom sure. a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just 
Tiffany and, and everybody that works there, they're super friendly. So, yeah, if you're looking for a banking relationship, can't go wrong with Scott Godin. Uh, thank you. If you're looking for a constant concierge uh, level of service, uh, pair with the latest proven technology, then give us a try. Give them a try. All right, Scott. Thanks. Bye, thank everyone. You. Bye. Bye.